the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bukas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. Kettering, if you have your Bibles with you today, and you should, I want to invite your attention to Isaiah chapter 38. We'll begin our reading at verse number one. And the word of the Lord reads, In those days Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Go and tell Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer and have seen your tears. Surely I will add to your days 15 years and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city. And This is the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing which he has spoken. Behold, I will bring the shadow of the sundial which has gone down with the sun on the sundial of Ahaz ten degrees backwards. So the sun returned ten degrees on the dial by which it had gone down. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we honor you this morning and we bless your holy and adorable name. We find ourselves in your presence today seeking that you might speak a word in this place. God, we pray that you would speak in such a way that every barrier that we've raised up will be broken down today that we might hear from you. That everything that prevents us from hearing, God, might be removed from the, the very canals of our ears that we might hear this word from you. Lord, I'm praying that every heart would be open and receptive to the gospel today, that if anybody doesn't know you, that they might come to know you in a real and a personal way. Spirit of the living God, I enjoy your presence this morning. And I'm praying, God, that even right now, that as I stand to declare your word, you would stand up in me and speak, God, to that one who's downtrodden and came in heavy laden and you might lift their burden and set them free. God, speak in such a way that you might edify this body and encourage them to glorify you. God, I yield myself as a vessel in your hand. Use me even now, God, to declare your word and to accomplish your will. I surrender all. 
Have thine own way, even now, in the name of Jesus, who is the Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. Catherine, we began a couple of weeks ago a series of messages entitled Prayer Power. We began our journey in Matthew chapter 6. We spoke from the subject matter, the outline for prayer. What is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. We walked through that text in Matthew chapter 6. And we discovered that in Jesus' outline that was given for prayer, he first of all instructs or leads or guides us that we must first of all be submissive to the holiness of God. When we enter into the presence of God to speak to God, we have to be submissive to his holiness, realizing that he is the one that's holy and not us. So we enter in reverencing the holiness of God and submitting to the holiness of God. And then secondly, we discovered that we must surrender to the will of God. Because in our prayer life, it's not what we want, but it's what God wills for us that will come as an answer. So we must surrender to the will of God. And I think I encourage you that if you want to assure that all of your prayers get answered, let your prayers be according to the will of God. Because God will not withhold from you what is his will to give to you. And so finally, we looked there in the passage and we saw that the Lord gave in his outline that there was a time for the sharing of your supplications with God. Let God know what it is you have need of. And specifically in that general text, he said that we ought to ask for what we need today. Give us this day our daily sufficiencies, what we need to survive and to thrive on today. So we kind of began to build on that and and understand this is just the outline for prayer and I abolish some of your customary prayers that you've been praying for 40 years, repeating that prayer and reciting it by memory and hopefully you've grown a little bit in the last couple of weeks in your prayer life and your prayers have changed a little bit and have altered to be more of what God would desire them to be. In our text today, we find here that in the days when Assyria was on the move and conquering many nations, they came to the place where they were also now at odds with Israel, and they want to overtake Israel. And Hezekiah is the king in Judah at the time, and he is operating out of pride in an effort to form an alliance with Babylon in order that he might be able to stand against Assyria. And what's interesting about that is that sometimes we can become so in tune with God that we drop out of the reality of our need for God. Because Hezekiah was a good king. He had done great things, and he, was, he had removed idols, and, and he had led Judah into a, a great relationship with God. But when the threat came to him and to Judah from Assyria, he, instead of trusting God, he began to trust in man, and he seeks an alliance with another nation, Babylon. And in pride, he brings the Babylonians to Judah and shows them all the greatness that God had done. You see, God, through the servitude of Hezekiah, had made Hezekiah wealthy, and the nation was wealthy, and he was showing it all off, and he was, he was acting out in pride. And, and in his prideful experiences, it brings us to this place in the text 
where now Hezekiah is near death. He's on his deathbed, as some folks would say. And in these days, it's, as the text says, in these days or in those days, Hezekiah was sick unto death. And so it's in these days and under these conditions that we come to this text. And in the, these conditions, it is where Hezekiah is led to pray this prayer that we have in our text. And uh, since we've outlined the prayer, uh, given an outline for prayer, I want to add to our outline and add to our benefit on this morning as we delve into this particular passage of a definition for prayer, because I think there's a lot of uh, ideas of what it is and what it's not, and seems to be kind of almost unbelievably an elusive terminology to discover. And so if you look up prayer and you look up a definition for it, you'll find such things as to petition God for something, to a solemn request for help, or an expression of thanks an address to God in word or thought. You'll get a definition such as that, a spiritual uh, petition to God, things like that. But let me define prayer as this. Uh, I want to define prayer as an interactive conversation with God in which we may give praise, make petitions to God, or even receive instruction, wisdom, direction, insights, and obtain the intervention of God in our life and circumstances. Simply stated, spending time with God in conversation. That's what prayer is. Spending time with God in conversation. And if we're honest this morning, because we are such a busy people, we don't have a whole lot of time to spend talking to God. Amen, Jesus and the walls. Because we're so busy, we don't have a lot of prayer time that we spend. We don't have a good prayer life. If you ask most Christians, most Christians would testify, my prayer life is really not that good. I can use a little bit of improvement. Any witnesses in the house? Amen. Thank you, three people that were honest enough to say you could use a little help. For the rest of them, we're going to pray for them. Amen. Bless the name of the Lord. Um. But did you know that God wants to have conversation with you? He wants to hear you talking to him. He wants to talk back to you. He wants to have an exchange, a dialogue with you, and he wants to have conversation. And unfortunately, we ignore that part of the relationship. Now, let me just give you a paint a picture for you because for most of us, we could probably relate to this. If you had a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife and they never spoke to you, never spoke to you, except when they were ready to eat. And then after they were ready to eat, they just ask you to do something for the food, but they never bothered to listen to you. And, and, and then they just, they showed up just once in a while to talk to you. That wouldn't be too good a relationship. So how do we think that we're going to have a good relationship with God when we don't want to talk to him and we don't want to spend time in conversation with him? So God wants to have conversation with you. He wants to talk to you. And sometimes uh, when we're not willing to pray, God will set conditions in order to make sure that he invites you to prayer time. I want to talk to you on this morning from the subject matter, invitation to prayer. An invitation 
to prayer. Are y'all still here this morning? In this uh, story, in which uh, is also recorded in 1 Kings chapter 20 and 2 Chronicles chapter 32, it begins with this. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord. This passage begins with an invitation, God's invitation to pray with a warning. God's invitation to prayer with a warning. Hezekiah is sick in the text. He is near death in the text. But Hezekiah is not praying at that moment. Y'all still here with me? I'm trying to help somebody. He's laying on his sick bed. Things are bad, and he's, he's not getting better. And he's not praying to God. This man of God, this king who has followed God and done great things with zeal towards God, he's sick and dying, but he's not praying. Y'all still here? He's not talking to God. Uh, remember, he's in the midst of operating in pride, and in the midst of his pride, he doesn't perhaps feel like he needs God, but he's not praying. God wants to have a conversation with him, so God sends a messenger in the form of his prophet Isaiah, and the messenger brings a message to the king, Hezekiah. Hezekiah, you're, you need to set your house in order. For you shall die and not live. I like this. Um, Set your house in order. For you shall die and not live. Let me tell you something. God has a way of inviting us into prayer. I can tell you, God could have probably sent a whole lot of messages and it still may not have moved Hezekiah to pray. But I guarantee you, if you get this message, (laughs) you're going to start praying. And so God invites Hezekiah into prayer by sending a warning to him that, Hezekiah, your Tylenol is not going to (laughs) work. Your your home remedies are not going to work. You can stop drinking Theraflu. You can stop with the root mixture. You can stop with the ISAB. You can stop with the, with, the, with the vinegar and water. You can stop with all the, the mixtures and messed up. You can stop with the Robitussin. You can stop with the Theraflu. It's not going to work. You're going to die and you're not going to live. All of a sudden, the text says, then, Y'all, y'all text say that? Verse 2. It wasn't until God made clear to him that he had nowhere else to turn and that he was getting ready to face death. The text says, then he accepted God's invitation to a conversation. Lord, help me right here. I'm not sure where you are on this morning, but I would encourage you to talk to God more regularly lest he sends you such an invitation. 
Can I talk to you really, for real, for real? I want you to understand that every trial that comes in your life, every heartache that comes in your life, God is not sending it to kill you or destroy you. Sometimes God's just sending you an invitation to come talk to me. Your child is sick and the doctor says there's nothing we can do. The first thing even an unbeliever will do is we need to pray. Mama's on dialysis or she's sick and her heart is failing. You're missing mama. You're feeling like, you know, she's getting ready to slip away. The doctors say, you know, we've done all the medicine. We've done all of this we can do that she's at the end now. Set the affairs in order. That's when folks start praying. People that haven't talked to God in years start praying at this invitation. And the invitation invites Hezekiah in to prayer with God. And listen to this invitation. Set your house in order. Hezekiah, set your affairs and your affections in order. Hezekiah, get your finances in order. Hezekiah, let your family know it's time. Time is up. You, ain't, you don't have nothing else that you can do. Hezekiah, set everything in order. Get your insurance papers. Lay them out on the table. Let folk know where they want you to be buried at. Let them know who your cemetery is. Let them know who your lawyer is. Let them know where the wheel is. If you don't have a wheel, Hezekiah, get a wheel. Set everything in order, Hezekiah. I'm not just talking about Hezekiah. I'm talking to some of y'all. Y'all hearing me? Set your house in order for you're going to die and not live. This is a powerful, powerful statement. In the context of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, God is saying it's time for you, Hezekiah. Your time has run out. Get prepared to meet your creator, Hezekiah. it's, it's, It's over for you now. There's no other hope. God has already determined. He set the end of your days. They're marked, they're measured. You're getting ready to come to the last day, Hezekiah. Get things in order. You're not going to live. More of us need to understand that we're going to die. And it would behoove us to set our houses in order because guess what? Every may, everyone may not get this invitation and the timing to do so. You may not get a warning before you go. So I'm just going to encourage you. Y'all, just listen to me. Y'all, y'all, I don't know what's going on this morning, but get the fog out your ear for just a moment. Um, listen, set your house in order because you're not going to live forever. You're going to die. And when you set your house in order, this is just a little pet peeve of mine. It makes grief a lot easier for your family when things are in order, when you die. Y'all don't even want to talk about death. It's quiet. They got quiet. Come on, Pastor, move on. Move past the such. Set your house in order. As a kind, set things in order for you're going to die and not live. Then, after the warning, Hezekiah begins to pray because he has no other hope of survival. And after that, he begins to pray. And it's unfortunate that it is invitations like this that are sometimes necessary to get God's people to come have conversation with him. But it's an invitation to prayer, but it comes by a warning. Verse 3 picks up, and it says, 
And he said, this is his prayer, Now remember, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth, and with loyal, with a loyal heart I have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Second movement here in the text is that God listened to the prayer as he wept, though many assumed that Hezekiah's prayer was one that said, uh, Lord, I want more days. Let me stay here a little longer. Um, Lord, can you just give me more time? Can you, can you extend my days? Um, the text doesn't explicitly say that. We don't have that in the text. It, some would say, well, it's inferred by the answer of God. I, I, I don't know, but I can tell you what it clearly does say. When Hezekiah gets this invitation to prayer, Hezekiah's instruction, his sign, his warning that comes to him is that you're going to die and not live. The first order of business of Hezekiah is to make sure that the records in heaven are in order. He says, God, I want you to remember what I've done. Lord, help us here. You got to remember Jesus Christ hadn't come yet. There has been no death, burial, and resurrection. And so Hezekiah has nothing other than his, his attempt to live out the law and to live according to what God had called him to do. And so Hezekiah's first order of business, when he knows he's getting ready to face death, when he knows he's getting ready to meet his creator, he says, I want to make sure, God, that you remember two things. Can you remember how faithful I was? Can you remember how loyal I was? Can you remember how I walked before you? Can you remember what I've done? Lord, make sure heaven's records are straight. I don't want to get there. I don't want to stand before you, God, and somehow uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the blink of, a, of an eye that you, you, you forget what I've done and that you don't recall my faithfulness. Hezekiah wants to make sure that when he gets to heaven, everything is in order. This is good news. This is a good example for a whole lot of folk because if I realize I'm going to die, it would behoove me to have not only my records on earth in order, but my records in heaven in order. Are y'all still here with me? Uh, Now, and let me say this, it's not that God's going to forget, okay? God will not forget. But it might be of your benefit to you to make sure that the record in heaven is straight, that you are born again. Lord, have mercy. It ought to be sure in heaven. Lord, have mercy. And heaven keeps good records, so it ought to be sure on your side that you've got the right documentation. Help me, Lord. That you've got the right thing. You've got the right covering. You've got the right blood. You've got the right Jesus. You've got the right God to make sure that when you meet him face to face, everything is in order. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to get to heaven and find out I I picked up the wrong Jesus on the way. That I got a bootleg version, that I got a a, a camouflage, that I got an imitation. No, I need the real thing. Lord, help me here. Lord, help me here. That's why I like Coke, because Coke is the real thing. Lord, help me. See, I appreciate the 7-Up this morning, but I really like Coke, because Coke is the real thing. Lord, have mercy. And and, and, and when Hezekiah is doing here, he's verifying and validating that, God, you know I've been faithful to you. God, you know I've done what I could do according to the law to walk before you with integrity, with a heart that was upright before you. And, God, I've lived in front of you right. So when I stand before you in judgment, remember what I've done. What I'm glad about is that if I'm covered in the blood of the Lamb, I'm secure when I meet my Savior face to face. And in Hezekiah's prayer, God is listening. 
Hezekiah is praying, God, remember what I've done. Remember how I walked before you in integrity, how I, I was loyal, I had a loyal heart. I had done things that I did. God, I did it for your name. I did it for your glory. I didn't do it for myself, Lord. Remember how I served you, Lord. Remember that it was all about you and it wasn't about me. God, remember that, that, that I wanted your name to be great. I wasn't after making my name great, but Lord, just remember my loyalty to you. To continue our journey, tune in next week for the second half of today's message. Praise the Lord. You have been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions and support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together and we invite you to join us for one of our spirit-filled worship services Sundays at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m. at our new edifice called the Legacy Center located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-627-9500. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence.